Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Good morning, Arizona. Like John Roller says, it's the Chamber of Commerce weather. Hopefully it's that way for the Phoenix Open. You know, or hopefully we go back to our good old days of raining on the Open. Anyway, hopefully it won't be freezing on the Open this year. And You know, when they put it back a couple weeks with the Super Bowl and stuff, uh, that does make a difference. You know, we are rolling into spring, though it might not seem too fast. It's all happening. And, uh, you know, we had some chilly mornings this week. We had some weather in the 30s and mid-30s even. But, um, you know, this is the time of year to get out and do a little work before it gets hot and enjoy the weather while it's nice. So if you're into some pruning, which uh, it's time to do for rose bushes to uh, all kinds of fruit trees, deciduous trees. If you want to prune your hardy evergreens like live oaks and things, now's the time to get with the program. Anyway, I want to invite you to give us a call. You can start off and lead the direction which Julia and I wander. That's right. We can talk about, you know, how to grow things, kill things, plant things, things you're doing different at home, different styles. There's certainly a lot of ways to grow things here. How to utilize our water most efficiently. And, uh, you know, we're, we're blessed to have water here, and uh, we have to be mindful of how we use it. And uh, we do have a lot bigger population than whenever I was born. And uh, that makes a big difference on how much water we use. Of course, the agriculture is kind of melting away here in the valley, but uh, we still have some, and we have a lot of beautiful landscape, and we have a lot of green plants that actually clean our air and kind of mitigate us living here. So, you know, that all being said, uh, how we manage and use water is always critical in the desert and has been here ever since time. But uh, whatever your dreams are, give us a call. We could talk about what to plant, how to plant, where to plant it, how to kill it, how to prune it, how to fertilize it. And maybe you're doing something different. There's so many plants we can grow here for food and lots of new plants that have come from different parts of the world. We have so many different cultures here now uh, that it really gives us a lot more variety of fun things to grow and eat and things to do and songs to sing. So we invite you all to call 602-277-5827 and just give us a little direction. Take our first caller this morning, Shirley, then Steve, and then it could be you at 602-277-5827. Give Julia, give Julia, uh, little Julia's back here. You know, we missed her for two weeks. She was, she wasn't feeling real well, but she's, she's back here smiling today in the phones and music and uh, nice to have you back, Julia. Uh, Shirley and Awatuki, good morning. Good morning. I am calling for my son who bought a house uh, last year um, in Mesa. Um, the house the backyard is uh, Bermuda grass. The front, I think, was also Bermuda grass. And what they did was they probably just put a, a black uh, plastic on it and put gravel on it. So last year, uh, there's some um, Bermuda grass runners that comes out through, you know, up from uh, the uh, underneath, and also some from. <clears throat> he he does have a block wall separating the front and the backyard. And you can tell, especially on the edges of the front, you know, uh, the uh, by the wall, it has a lot of the runner Bermuda grass. And so uh, we dug it up, and then I put uh, uh, pre-emergent on it, and it seems to take care of it the rest of the year. But then now I went to go visit him, and a lot of the Bermuda grass runner are coming up again. 
So my question is, how do you kill the grass? Well, surely, you know, you know, right now is uh, not a very good time to do it because it's not warm enough for the Bruna grass to be real active. So I would just uh-huh. kind of forget about it for the next two months. You know, and somewhere, okay. somewhere around the end of March, 1st of April, it's going to be growing with a vengeance. And when it really starts to wake up and grow, the best way to get uh-huh. rid of Bermuda grass is to spot spray it with Roundup or glyphosate. And it's a contact okay, herbicide, but... but it's systemic. And it goes down into the plants and through the runners and rhizomes and roots and will kill the entire plant. Okay. So round out. Round, round up or what now? Well, Roundup, the active ingredient in Roundup is called glyphosate. And okay, uh, so okay. that's what I would recommend. The nice part about that one is a contact herbicide. It's not going to hurt the soil. It's not going to drift and move around and hurt any plant other than what you spray it on. But it's too early to spray on Bermuda grass right now. So you have to give it a couple, yeah, probably at least a month and a half. Okay, so you spray the whole yard then? No, the no, whole no, gravel no, no, yard. no, 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 no. When we use oh. contact herbicides, we're only going to spray it when the plant comes up. So, you know, it gets to oh, the point where, okay. where you, get, need, you okay. get like a little one-gallon tank sprayer, you know, just one okay. little ones you pump up and uh, mix okay. up a little bit of Roundup and just go around and just spray it exactly where it is. You, there's no reason to ever use a chemical, you know, that's not going to be a useful chemical when we're using it. We don't want to okay. you know, put okay. these things out. So, so, so right now out. there's a lot... Okay, so right now there's a lot popping up, so all we can do is just, you know, pull it up. No, don't, don't pull it up. If you pull it oh. up, you're going to make it harder to kill. What you want to do oh, is leave, okay. leave, leave it just alone. Leave it on until... And yeah, let, let it grow. I, we, when, when the daytime okay. temperature is about 85 degrees or so, and it's growing fast, okay. then you can spray it and kill it very well. Okay? Okay. Thanks, Shirley. Okay, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Uh, Steve in Phoenix. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Uh, We had some cherry tomatoes uh, through last fall and really enjoyed them. Uh, They didn't make it through the winter very well. What's what's the general uh, schedule for planting again or buying plants uh, this spring? Well, Steve, historically, when is it the right time? Steve, historically here, our planting date, we didn't used to ever be able to keep tomatoes through the winter because we used to have more freezes. And historically, our planting date was after the last frost date, which is the 15th of February. That's our traditional last frost date here for most of metropolitan Phoenix. So that being said, the time to plant tomatoes and all the summer crops, tomatoes and peppers and all those kind of things, is really the 15th of February. Uh, now, uh-huh. people are planting them earlier now, and if we don't have a freeze, they'll be fine. But they're really not going to grow very fast until the days get a little longer and gets warmer anyway. So the 15th of February for a spring garden is the perfect time to plant. When when do you guys get them in? Uh, do you get uh, uh, we, We'll, we'll or, probably or... have, well, we usually have them, we grow them in four inch and one gallons, okay? And we'll usually uh-huh. have a pretty good supply of them. You know, this week it was down to 36. So the the best time is wait another week or two, not very long now. And so if you're looking for something to do this weekend, go out and till the soil, maybe mix in some organic material, have it ready to plant. And around Valentine's Day, plant away. Uh-huh. Uh, do people, do you plant them from, from uh, well, last year we bought plants, but do you ever, do you ever plant them from seed? Or, we, or we, how does it done? We grow, we grow thousands of them from seed in the greenhouse, okay? And what we do is uh-huh. tomato seed's pretty small, and we start them off into seed flats, and then we transfer them into four-inch pots and grow them out that way. And that gives you, by yep. if you wanted to plant them from seed, it would take about three weeks, two to three weeks to catch up to that, uh, well, to catch up even to a six-pack, it'd take two weeks. 
maybe three. But you sort of need a greenhouse to do that with. Well, you need, you need, yeah, you need it warmer. Even my friend Bobby Malcolmson, who uh, grows tomatoes out and you know and sells them commercially out of his yard, he's got about an acre and a half garden. We start all his in the greenhouse as well, and the reason is because uh-huh. we have a heat table where we keep the soil temperature about seventy-five to eighty degrees, and that makes them germinate faster. And, and you can grow them without that, but you're just buying a lot of time. And that's the only reason to buy plants and sets is because you want to, you know, have them ready sooner. You know, if you were to yeah. plant your own back in mid-December inside, you know, keep them like in a warm window. You could certainly have started them from seed and have them ready for, you know, the time to plant them on the 15th of uh, February. But, you know, if you want to get a good jump on tomatoes now, you want to start with probably a four-inch plant. And you want to plant them about uh, Valentine's Day. Uh-huh. Uh, just for curiosity, um for fun sometime, maybe next year, we might do that with the seed. Mm-hmm. But I have a question about, about glass windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have these uh, heat-resistant windows. Do plants uh, do okay behind that kind of window in a sunroom, or do, does that kind of type of window filter out what the plant needs in the way of light? Well, it's going to filter a lot of the light out. So it's not going to be uh-huh. like having, you know, clear glass. And, you know, old gr- greenhouses like the old British greenhouses were all in French, were all clear glass, you know, big glass greenhouses, which were the most efficient. Yeah, this is a specialized glass that really restricts what comes in because the, the sunroom really does not get hot. Well, it's, it has all, a lot it's, of it's, it's also reflecting a lot of the light rays that the plant's going to use to grow on. So that's why, yeah, that's so why, really when, you, that's why when you, plant. that's the difference between buying like a grow light, you know, and, and, and the, yeah. the light bulbs you can buy now. Uh, you know the light. Oh, you really, oh, I never. I didn't think of that. You wouldn't have to depend on that for a light. You could actually use a grow light or two inside. Well, you can certainly use a fun. grow light. Well, and now with, with the advent of legalized marijuana, there is more available to grow indoors than you've ever seen. Oh yeah, I'm sure, People, I'm sure there are many techniques that weren't available ten years ago. Well, they were available, but they were much more restricted and harder to find. You know, now they're they're all yeah. over the place. But uh, yeah, so there's a big difference though in the quality of light you use for plants, and and so it does make yeah. a big difference. How they grow inside versus out. Yeah, so it'd be kind of an uphill uh, climb to make that work with just using natural light behind that type of window. Well, you know, for house plants and things, it wouldn't be so bad. It'd be worse for flowering plants. It's just a lot of different plants. You know, a lot of the house plants we use are understory plants when you go to the tropics. So if you go down to Costa Rica or go in some of the, you know, jungles of different places in Hawaii and Jamaica, and, you know, there you're going to see plants that are the understory plants that we grow here commonly for house plants. And that's because they have, you know, reduced light and they're growing under the canopy of the main plants. Yeah, I see. Interesting. Well, for tomatoes, though. For tomatoes, they want bright sunshine. They need to flower. And uh, and if you want to get some started this year, you know, be in the early part of the, the cycle, plant from plants and plant them around uh, the 12th or 15th of uh, February. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, All right. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Bob and Cave Creek. But after Bob, we have wide open phones. The number to call, Miss Julia, is 602-277-5827. It's Julia and Brian here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM KTAR. It feels 
If that peace you find in dying And if dying time is near Just bundle up my coffin Cause it's cold way down there I hear that it's cold way down there Yeah, crazy cold way down there And when I die And when I'm gone There'll be one child born Phoenix and Arizona and wherever you can catch us, you know, here on uh, KTAR, you can get it on the app and catch us anywhere in the world. But, uh, you know, this week we lost a couple Whitfields. We lost my uh, cousin Glenn and my cousin Charlie. And, you know, it's just, uh, I thought that was an appropriate song for this morning. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's the phone lines open. The number to call is 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. You know, and they both had beautiful lives. One was a farmer and one was, one was a, boy, Charlie was uh, from a weightlifter to an athlete to uh, the the guy that watched all the kids for, for 10 years. You know, how many, how many dads watched their kids and nieces and nephews stay home and take care of them for 10 years? But Charlie did. Anyway, back to the phones. Bob in Cave Creek. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, sir. And thank you for taking my call. Really appreciate it. Uh, Quick question about a lovely fig tree that I used to have in my backyard. Uh, one day I went out, looked at it, I wanted to go pick some figs, and apparently an animal of some sort ate the bark off and girdled the entire tree. And a neighbor of mine looked at it and said, oh, obviously you got pack rats. Mm-hmm. And he suggested wrapping the trunk with plastic, and I don't know what else to do. Apparently, this tree is a goner. Well, how how high off the ground was it eaten off, Bob? It's about twelve feet tall. Okay, but where 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 was the tree girdled? At what point above the ground? Oh, right above the ground level, to a, to a height of about. 15, 18 inches. Okay, so you, if what you can do is this, okay, it's probably, unless you have a sliver of bark on the cambium layer, if you have one piece, if it didn't completely get around, uh, the tree will probably come back out. Or you could take the tree and you can just cut it off to where the, the bark was stripped. Right. And get some black tree, he'll unseal it, and it'll come back with a vengeance. So that tree will come back out and make an eight-foot tree again this year. Now, what did you see? I say to spray it with black what? Well, no, I didn't say to spray it with anything. Oh, I said if, if, if it's girdled all the way around, so if the rat right. is eaten all the way around it, okay, then the tree will probably die back to that point. Um, 
And if it's not all the way through the cambium layer, so if it didn't go all the way around, but there's just a sliver of it that's good, it, right. will, it will come back out. So what you want to do in that case is go ahead and get the brush on type tree tar and seal that up and wrap it with wire up above that point because unless you catch the pack rat, he'll come back. So you want to wrap it with wire and then cut the tree down by about 50% or 60%. Just cut the whole top of it off. And that way it's not trying to feed as much. And figs are pretty resilient and will come back. Worst case scenario is that it is girdled completely around, at which point you could just saw the tree off right there where it's girdled and get some black tar and just seal up the end of it. And it'll put out new buds from down below and come back and make a new tree. But even if you have to cut it down to 10 or 12 inches tall and cut the whole tree off, it'll come back very quickly because it has a large root system. You are a bearer of good news, sir. Well, I, I hope, hope you enjoy it. Now, the next thing is to get a trap and catch that pack rat. <laughs> Maybe you need like my cousin Joe has. He has a rat trap and a rat terrier, and uh, they go rat hunting. Uh, he catches the rats and, and, he, and he releases them for the dog. <laughs> but anyway. idea. But yeah, the rats can be a problem, and it's you know especially in the desert. And this is the time of year when they're hungry. There's not as much food out there for them. And after right. a year like last year, they really bred like crazy because they had a lot more to eat. And so now they're looking for things. And a lot of them really enjoy tree bark. Well, again, thank you very much for your help. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. Have a nice weekend. Appreciate you being part you of the too. program. Bye bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got John and Gilbert. But after John, we've got four open lines. Julia back here smiling. Give her a call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Good morning, John. Good morning, Brian. How are you today? Excellent. And you? Oh, I'm doing fine. Hey, um, let's see. Where do I start? Um, what do you uh, think about deep watering systems for um, you know citrus trees and other trees? Well, you know, it depends on the type of soil, how advantageous they are or aren't, you know. But like in a heavier okay. clay soil where you're trying to get the water dispersed to a bigger area, you know, they work pretty well. Um, you know, my grandfather always kind of liked them better than I do, but you know, it's just different. But uh, anyway, I think they can, be, they can be quite useful, especially in heavier soils. In a light soil, if you have a sandier loam soil or you're an area where you have a rockier soil, uh, they're probably of no use whatsoever. So in Gilbert, would you consider that heavy? That's oil? that's about as heavy clay as it gets. You know, had my grandparents' okay. house been built from Gilbert adobe clay, I mean that's that's really clay. So yes, that's about as heavy as it gets. So you know, they'll certainly work. You know, and you can certainly use them in Gilbert. And what the advantageous part is is it helps the soil, the water go deeper and then sub or move horizontal versus having to work its way, you know, gradually in from the top. And uh, they're not as not as useful now when we use drip irrigation systems as they once were when we were using flood or different types of water. But the advantage is really is they're going to get the water down deeper and spread it more. So I, I would think in Gilbert they could be quite useful. Well, I have access to uh, flood irrigation, but I haven't been able to use it for about a year and a half because we've had a construction project going in our backyard. Mm-hmm. So prior to the construction, um, I put a drip on all the trees. And, you know, it kept them alive, but they weren't if I can say it like this, as prosperous as they were with flood irrigation. Mm-hmm. Um, I intend to go back to flood irrigation, and but I was going to put the, the uh, deep watering system in as a backup, or let's say we go on vacation or we're gone for a month. Instead of imposing on my neighbors to flood irrigate for me, I could just turn this on and 
and be done with it. So well, I was you, just wondering what your thoughts well, or you, you, were you, on that. Well, you can certainly do that, John. But, you know, unless you're going to utilize it for the long run on a regular basis, I don't know if it's worth the effort. But that's up to you. And uh, if you want yeah. to go ahead, you know, and it's, it's probably definitely a better way to water. It just enhances the drip system in Gilbert because of the heavy clay soil. But it's hard to beat the flood irrigation. And flood irrigation yeah. in Gilbert with our heavy clay, um, you know, if you happen to be gone three or four weeks and you miss an irrigation, that's not going to kill anything. Okay. You know, when you okay. when you even in the, even, even, even in, in the middle of the summer when it's 118. Even even in the worst summer 2 years ago in, in all history that anyone could remember, you know, had you flooded your irrigated your yard, you know, the 1st of August when we hit that streak when it was 110 then 115 with no humidity for a month and gotten back right. and watered a month later, you wouldn't have any mortality at all. Okay. Maybe a little stress, okay. but but no mortality. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate it, Brian. Thank you. Thank you, John. Bye-bye. Let's see. Next up, we have Angel in South Phoenix. But after Angel, we have those open lines again. The number to call Miss Julia, 602-277-5827-277-KTAR. Good morning, Angel. Good morning. Was hoping you can comment on some advice I gave a neighbor. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was accurate or not. (laughs) He really likes fruit trees. He really likes fruit trees. But he's very hesitant and he's nervous to plant anything. So I suggested that he grow a pear. (laughs) I think that's a good idea, Angel. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, appreciate the laugh. Have a nice morning. Have a good morning. Bye-bye. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, I can see John Roller slide in. He's going to have some tale of fame. Grow a pear. Very good. Well, John, uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to let John tell us what's happened in the world. While we're gone, you can call Miss Julia at 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. It's Julia and Brian and John Roller here with the Whitfield District Garden Show every Sunday from 7 to 9. And, you know, last week, John, I was lonely. I was missing you and Julia both. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I, I started not feeling so well uh, early in the afternoon, and you and I were talking before the show. When I first got into radio, I mean, if you got a job, they sat there and said, now listen, unless you're on your deathbed, you get in there and get on the air, you know, and so that's the way I was brought up. But uh, in today's world, you, you got to kind of take it a little easier. So <laughs> I understand the legendary Jeff Munn money uh, filled in for me. So I'm honored for that. Here we go. Singing in the kitchen all together. Singing in the kitchen. Everybody. Singing in the kitchen, banging on pots and pans. A mama and daddy singing in the kitchen, baby laughing. Singing in the kitchen, all the kids singing in the kitchen, banging on the pots and pans. Supper's done and table's clear. Baby wants a bottle and I want a beer. Lord, I sure am glad I'm here where there's lots of love to share. And now clap hands and everybody sing. Dishes clang and the banjo ring. There's gravy on these guitar strings, but I don't really care. Cause here we are, singing in the kitchen. All together now, singing in the kitchen. Everybody Bring it on the box and pay. <coughs> 
Well, welcome, folks. Welcome to this beautiful Sunday morning. If you haven't looked out yet, the clouds are just glorious. Hopefully, they'll dump something in the hills, but it's going to be a beautiful day here in the valley. Thanks, Bobby Bear. It's always fun to sing in the kitchen. Anyway, next up, we've got Pat and James, and then it could be you. The number to call on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Pat. Hey, good morning, Brian. Two things. I have something I want to say and then a question. The first thing I want to say is I am sorry for your family loss, and I hope all goes well for the rest of the family. So many of us have lost either family or close friends lately. It's just terrible. The other thing I want to say is I have bougainvilleas, and... Can I can I chop them down now? They're, all the balloons are kind of weird looking, dying. <laughs> well, you know, normally uh, this is the time we could have a freeze, so we normally would wait until after the fifteenth of February, and then oh. it's, and then it's one of the best times of the year to butcher them. But you know, even this... even the things you can't kill. <laughs> well, you really can't kill them. So if you're in a mind to go prune your bougainvilleas today and you need something to do, you know what? It's a fantastic day to do. I mean, even if it, even if we have a freeze, it's not going to kill them. And the reason why we've always waited is because we've typically been much cooler now than we are this year. More like the East Coast than we are here in Arizona. So at any rate, uh, if you want to prune them, if that's what you have in mind for the day, prune away. And uh, sometimes when we're tired and frustrated, there's nothing as such a relief as, as getting out and pruning a few plants. So if you're in a mind to do so, I wouldn't be too afraid to do it. Normally we'd recommend middle of February, but hey, prune away. It's not going to hurt anything. Like you say, you can't kill them. And that's when to fertilize them, too, isn't it? Is it in the middle of February? It's a little early. You know, you could fertilize them, but they're not going to wake up and grow much until the daytime temperature is 80 or above. Okay, super good. Thank you very much. Thank you. Enjoy Appreciate your the thoughts. Very much. Bye, Pat. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Next, we've got James and Surprise. But, hey, give us a call. After James, we have wide open phones. You can lead the direction. You can talk about what to grow, water, plant, fertilize, or kill. Plenty of things to do. Lots of styles and ways to do them. James and Surprise, good morning. Good morning. So I have a uh, dwarf Meyer lemon tree that we planted well, about two years ago. And uh, I neglected it a little bit. And what happened is the, the main trunk is kind of bent over about 90 degrees. And it grew that way for a few months. I tried to train it back, but it, it's so thick and rigid now that it just keeps growing that way. So now I really kind of have a Meyer lemon bush. And I was wondering if there's anything I can do to retrain that. Well, it's a dwarf anyway. So, you know, basically citrus are just a big bush. Uh, you can either, you know, you can put a stake in there and pull it back over and straighten it up if it's bothering you. And it sounds like it is because you called. So if you want to straighten it up, just get a big lodgepole stake and drive in the ground next to it and pull it over straight, and that's fine. Or, you know, what we would probably do out in the grove, we would just prune it to balance, and it'll put out more shoots off the other side and balance itself all on its own just by some little corrective pruning. Well, have fun. Enjoy your Meyer lemons. We we grow lots of them. I really enjoy them. <laughs> Thanks, James. Great. 
Bye bye. Well, that leaves us, folks, with wide open phones. The number to call 602 277 5827. 277 KTAR. You know, and out of all of us Whitfields, uh, you know, cousin Glenn Whitfield, he, he was the one that was like my grandfather. He was the one that liked to grow things and farm. He and my uncle Damon. And, uh, you know, Glenn lived a good life to, to 90, 92 years old. But uh, he was around town here farming. He used to farm stuff down in South Phoenix and he would grow five or 10 acres of this or that. But all different kinds of things. Really enjoyed growing watermelons here. And uh, Glenn's idea was kind of like mine. He was the guy that liked to grow watermelons with seed because they tasted better. And he was always more concerned with, uh, you know, what it tasted like than anything else. But from corn to watermelons and beans and different things, uh, Glenn really enjoyed farming here in South Phoenix. And, you know, the, the fun part with Glenn is he managed to give all of his food away. You know, he grew some and sold here and there. But for the most part, uh, if you went to see Cousin Glenn, you'd had to leave with some fruit. You know, it was always a fun thing. Anyway, got all wide open phones. Perfect time to call. 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. We could talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, what to grow, how to grow it, where to grow it. You know, we're here in the beginning of our spring vegetable and, and planting season. And, uh, you know, this was, it was something that Glenn reminded me of. You know, you can plant watermelons, you know, kind of any time right now. And when it's warm enough, they'll germinate as long as you keep the, you know, the beds uh, moist. And then, so, you know, if you're going to plant your stuff from seed, we were talking earlier about planting, you know, things like the tomatoes and things and peppers, especially peppers. Peppers, you always want to start from plants because it would take forever to grow peppers in, in the ground from a, you know, from a seed. But, you know, water melons, cantaloupe, squash, all those kind of things. Um, you know, it's a little early to plant right now. We want the soil to be warm and it's not quite there yet. But once these nighttime hit temperatures start to stay around 55 or 60 and we get some days in the high 70s, uh, planting season's here. So, you know, you really want to get out and till your ground and be ready now because planting season for all these, you know, with the seeds in the bed is just around the corner. Let's see. Next up, we've got Corey in Avondale. Good morning, Corey. Good morning, Brian. Two questions. One's a simple one. One may be a harder one. Um, rhubarb. Is there any good product out there that you guys sell in locally? Well, rhubarb grows a lot better if you're in Prescott. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's not a heat-loving plant, Corey. So it's okay. uh, you know it's it's going to be easier, and that and that's why they used to grow a lot of it up in Lake Wobegon with Garrison Keeler. They had okay. rhubarb pies, you know. But but really, it's it's a cooler weather plant than it is for here. Yeah, I miss the old grandma's strawberry rhubarb back in the Wisconsin, <laughs> Illinois area. Yeah, and that's so. and that's in the, you know where Lake Wobegon is, right? You've heard Garrison Keeler before? No, oh. I'm, I'm probably a little younger for that. Well, no, he was on the radio till just a couple of years ago, but he had the best show, the best show I think on the air and radio. You know, he said they were from Lake Wobegon, where the women were strong, the men were good looking, and the children were above average. I mean, I shouldn't say that because I, my grandpa exposed me to Tex Ritter and the deck of cards. <laughs> <laughs> the other question is, I got a small little area um, that I want to put something in it. I haven't decided if a fig. I don't eat much figs. I don't eat much lemon, but I do cook a lot, like to cook a lot. You talk about the Meyer lemons, um, and I'm in a rental place, which my landlord luckily is allowing me to do a lot of nice landscaping stuff to it. You know, what is your recommendation? I'd recommend for... you do a Meyer lemon, okay, and put it in a pot and let it root into the ground. And, okay. Uh, because if you do that, you'd put it in a good size pot, like a 15-gallon size pot or larger, let it root in the ground, 
And then if you decide to move sometime, what you can do is just cut it back to a real small plant and, and cut uh-huh. the roots off the ground and transplant it and take it with you. If you know, It's going to grow much faster and better if you let it, let it root in the ground. The other thing I would really recommend growing here that's fun if you like to cook are two things. Number one is bay, if you like to use bay. It's really easy to grow a small bay plant and have all kinds of leaves to use. And fresh bay is just wonderful. And rosemary. Yeah. You know, rosemary is really easy here, too. Okay. And that's the other thing. Uh, you brought up a good point. Um, I used to have a lot of flowers in the front yard, um, you know, wildflowers and stuff, but I'm really with water being scarce and all that and everything else rising up in prices. I'm trying to cut back. And I was going to stop by your guys' place and uh, pick around and get to, like, maybe some pompous grass for the front, something low, low maintenance, low water that doesn't look so much like desert. <laughs> well, pampas grass, you know, it's, it's funny how it's native over in, in California and grows through the estuaries and things. But, yeah, you know, a little water on it, it'll get big and pretty. And, and, and don't miss out on rosemary if you'd like to use rosemary in cooking. It's really easy to grow here and we're very water efficient. Okay. Excellent. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Corey. Bye-bye. Uh, Jim down in Sun Lakes. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. I have a tangelope tree that's probably about 25 23 years old, and uh, it's losing a lot of leaves, and I'm seeing a lot of dead twigs. Am I, is it at the end of its life? No, not no, probably not at all. Did you change the way it was being watered in the last few years? Uh, yeah, I've been given it deep watering. Mm-hmm. How often? Uh, once a week. Okay, that's that's even more than you need in the wintertime. Uh, that's well, kind of I ideal for the summer. In, in the wintertime to less than that. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe I had a root rot or something like that, so I used that uh, um, Monterey. Uh, Jim, was it, was it bleeding any sap? No, it was not. Okay, the trunk looked like it was wet or anything? No. Okay, then you probably didn't have a fungus problem. Um, you know, the, the most important thing with citrus right now is going to be time for them to eat. They're going to wake up in the spring. You know, we say Valentine's Day is the time to feed them. But if you went out and did it today, it would be fine, too. And what I would do is go ahead and get it, uh, get it fertilized for right now. And, um, you know, a good balanced fertilizer, you know, not just urea or ammonium sulfate, but you want to have something with some chelated iron, sulfur, and different things in it. And it should pop back pretty well right now. Um, If you don't see any bleeding sap on them, if the trunk doesn't look wet, you probably don't have a fungus issue. And uh, when you deep water, you water with a drip system or hose, or how do you do it? Uh, I've been doing drip and hose okay. to give it a good deep watering. Well, you don't. In between, I turned off the drip system. Well, you really don't need the drip system on if you're going to water with a hose, and if you're going to water with a drip, it can work fantastic. But this time of year, there's no reason on mature plants like that to run the drip any more often than once every two weeks. And okay. to be honest with you, out in our orchards in Mesa Queen Creek area, you know we haven't watered them since mid December. And the reason why is because we got a lot of rain. We just have to be at a spot that got a lot of rain, which, you know, the one time a year we don't welcome it, we're trying to get the bricks up higher, our oranges sweeter, and we want the ground to be dry, and it just wouldn't dry out. But we're getting there now. But at any rate, uh, they don't need that much frequency in the wintertime. It's not going to be beneficial to the tree. Citrus like a fair bit of water in the summer. They're pretty hard to overwater. But in the winter, they really don't like to stay wet. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jim. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Jeff and Goodyear. But after Jeff, we've got open lines. Call Miss Julia at 602-277-5827. It's Brian, Julia, and John with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM, KTAR.
only two things in life that make it worth living is guitars tuned good and firm, feeling women. I don't need my name in the marquee lights. I got my song and I got you with me tonight. Maybe it's time we got back to the basics of love. Let's go to looking back Texas. This successful life we're living Got us feuding like the Hatfields and McCoys Between Hank Williams' pain songs Newberry's train songs And blue eyes crying in the rain Out of Luke and Bob, Texas Ain't nobody feeling no pain Sell your diamond ring Buy some boots and faded jeans And go away This golden tie is choking me In your high society You cry all day We've been so busy Keeping up with the Jones Four car garage And we're still building them Maybe it's time we got back to the basics of love. Well, welcome back, folks. It's a beautiful Sunday morning. The clouds are just uh, magnificent hanging over the mountains here in Sunny Slope. You know, our family came from West Texas. You know, the, the Hiltons and uh, well, it was Glenn Whitfield Hilton and my grandfather. They, he moved here in 1928 from Lubbock, Texas. The airport's their old farm. And a uh, little bit of bad fortune back there and a hailstorm and, a, you know, a few issues happened where you can't grow crops. Well, they came to Arizona and have had a great life here ever since. You know, if you want to have a great life in a beautiful garden, too, you know, it's a great time to plant right now. And my grandparents started uh, at the original nursery. First, they lived downtown, but they lived at our original nursery at 824 East Glendale since 1946. And there they started the family tradition of growing trees, and we continue now for four generations. If you need trees, any kind, any size, you know, they always especially love citrus. And the Whitfields, uh, you know, they were farmers in West Texas, among other things, but uh, mainly farmers. And anyway, they had pie companies, and there was a little whiskey that was manufactured a time or two. But at any rate, um, here in the Valley, it's a great place to grow all kinds of fruit trees, citrus trees. Come out and see us. We deliver patent guarantee. We're licensed, bonded, insured. No jobs too big, none's too small. And I can remember the time my cousin Charlie was helping me unload citrus trees. And, uh, you know, I was a couple years older and, and a little bigger at the time. And we're unloading citrus trees that we were digging out in Litchfield at A. Burgess's place. And Charlie grabs a tree and swings to the side. Snap! His femur busted in two. And... Uh, you talk about painful, but Charlie just uh, was Charlie. There was no guy that ever got hurt as much as Charlie. No person's ever was determined as much as Charlie. And if you were in a pinch, there was no better friend than Charlie. Uh, let's see. Back to the phones. Jeff in Goodyear. Good morning, Jeff. Hey, good morning, Brian. Um, since we obviously evaded the Arizona frost that we usually get at the end of January. Not necessarily, uh, Jeff. <laughs> No, not yet. You don't think it's thick yet? Well, you, you know, as long as we've had the nursery, I, I, I've seen it freeze in March, so it can happen. Well, yeah, and that's, 
that's what most of the landscapers actually say is don't start trimming everything back until usually the first week of March. Um, so, okay, so maybe that changes everything for me. So I live in Goodyear. I have a two-story home. My house is north-south exposure, and I'd like to do a little kitchen garden, mm-hmm. uh, basically, and a couple of raised boxes on the east side of my house. Uh, so I have a two-story home. My neighbor has a single-story home. Will I have as much success there as I would on the west side? Well, the best side, if it would work, would be the south side. The south side gets the most sun, you know, during this time of year because of the angle of the sun, and that's the best side to put it on. East side, how how much room between your house and your neighbors? Uh, not a ton. Um, Ten feet. Not the RV side. Maybe, maybe. Well, what I'm going to put in there are some boxes. I'm going to mm-hmm. put some raised bed boxes in there. So I'm looking at some boxes that are like two by six, a uh-huh. couple of them. That would be ideal. And, and, you know, realistically, it's a lot easier to grow in gardens. Now, as far as planting stuff out in the vegetable garden right now, that's different because what I would do with the vegetable garden is if we see there's going to be a frost, go in and pop some PVC pipes around the corners, throw a piece of frost right. cloth over the top, and that's going to probably prevent any kind of frost problem you might have. Uh, so that, that would all be in, in order for this time of year. As far as your light question, though, you know, when you get tight and you got a two-story, you know, you're not going to get a lot of light in there. Your vegetables are going to grow a lot slower. They'll last longer into the, you know, into the season. They'll last longer into the summer. They would do better on the west side of the house this time of year, but then they're going to, you know, succumb to the heat a little earlier, you know, somewhere probably May or June. So it's kind of up to you. But the ideal location, if you had to pick, is the south side. Yeah, south side is my front yard, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, come on. The wife will be impressed. You know, just, just grow a beautiful garden out there. Do one of those nice gardens and grow some tomatoes and peppers and cilantro and, you know, bring her in fresh vegetables and she'll smile. Yeah, I think the only people that have a problem with it is the HOA. <laughs> <laughs> you know, heck with those people. <laughs> give, maybe, them, maybe. Give, the, give them some tomatoes and peppers, too. There you go. But no, Hi, Jeff, that, that's, that, that's the best side. But um, either one of those sides will work. You want to get it positioned where you get the most light. Right. Let me ask okay, you one question, good. Jeff. On, so. on, on the west side of your house, what's to the west of your house? Are you in the middle of a block? No, no I have another single-story home on the west side, and that is, uh, that's RV parking, um, which, which does not have an RV. So I've got plenty of room on the west side as well. What about, what about the east side of the west wall? Where you're going to get more light. So if you stay, if you station your gardens, okay. If you go to the west side of your house, right, and you say that's the bigger right. side where you have the RV space, okay. What I would do is right. I would take the garden and I would put it about two to three feet away from the wall, so you have access to walk all the way around it and access it, okay. And right. that's going to also give it a lot more light because it's not going to be shaded by the wall. And I think that would be your best location to plant. Okay. Because that way you have single story on that side, so it's going to get more light, and the wall's still going to shade it a little bit. And so if you put it on the the west side of your property, the east side of the wall, a couple feet off the wall, I think that's the best place to plant. All right. We're going to do it. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, let's see. Ruth and Mesa. Good morning, Ruth. Yes. Good morning, Brian. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, We live on Mesa on the intersection of Ellsworth and Guadalupe, and we live in a over 55 retirement, and we have a nice front lawn that there's a tree about 30 feet high, my husband said. Anyway, it 
uh, is on the southwest corner of our yard, and it appears to be dying. A couple of years ago, when it was so hot and dry, it got all black on one side. Well, our neighbors were kind enough to give it extra water and so on, and it revived. But now part of it is dead, but it's still got new leaves this year. But we're just wondering, you know, is it just from being so dry for so long? Or Ruth, what, is it a ficus tree? I don't know what kind it is. Does it, was does, does, does it stay river. evergreen? Uh, no. Well, yeah, it seems to. We're here only six months out of the year. Okay. And so, um, you know, we don't know what kind of it was because it was planted before we moved mm-hmm. in here. So, but but, but um, it's but it's green right now. It's got leaves on it year round. Yeah, it's okay. got new leaves. It's it's probably it's probably a ficus tree. It probably has some sooty canker. Now you can you can oh. treat that. You know you can basically give injections into the trunk and kind of treat that if you want to. Uh-huh. But the other treatment for it is just to get it very vigorous and healthy. And what happened two years ago? Not this past summer, but the summer before, we had the worst August ever. It was 110 right. to 115 every day with no humidity. And and that right. being the case, the ficus tree sunburn and scalded, and that weakened it. Now it can grow out of that. So what I would do with it. Um, and it probably can come back on its own, but you want to be very mindful of that right now. So you want to fertilize it here in about a week or two, okay, as soon as we think there's not a last frost. We usually say it's Valentine's Day. So fertilize uh-huh. it Valentine's Day. Fertilize it once a month. And you say it's in lawn or rock growing around it? No, it's rock. It's rock. Okay, so it's not really yeah. lawn. It's in rock. So that's giving you a right, lot of reflected right. heat. So what you might want to do is go out and plant some lantanas or things around it to take some of the reflected heat off from the rock. Okay, fertilize it, give it extra water, get it really healthy before you leave. And then those ground covers should help it and make sure that it gets a good deep irrigation in the summertime while you're gone. We've got music starting. That's Julia telling me it's time to uh, to go with the news. But uh, Ruth, thank right. you and have a nice weekend. All right. Thank you, Brian. Bye bye. <laughs> bye bye. We'll be right back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show after the news. The number to call in the break, 602-277-5827. Julia, John, and Brian here every Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM KTAR.